Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rock Report podcast, where Sunland this week drew nil-nil at home to Doncaster Rovers. I'm your host, Johnny, joined by uh, the usual host, Alex. Hi. Also joined by Neil. Hello. And comedian, David Callahan. Hello. We're going to just discuss what's been going on in the world of Sunland Football Club. We have a, a new signing to discuss as well. Bailey Wright joined on the season on loan um, until the end of the season. And we'll just get straight on with it. So, Alex, let's start with the new signing of Bailey Wright. What do you think? Um, well, I mean, I, I won't pretend that I've seen too much of him play, to be honest. And I think given how Willis, Lynch and Ozturk have been playing, we may not see that much of him for a while. Because I think as a centre-back trio, they've been very good. But I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. But from what I've heard from the Bristol City fans is that he's not, well, obviously quite clearly he's not the biggest lad in the world, but he's quite a quite a fearless sort of character. Not afraid to put his head on the line and what have you. That's probably what you need for League One. Well, that's definitely what you need for League One. So I've I've been filled with promise, but I think we'll only see what he's like when we actually get a chance to watch him in a red and white shirt. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Neil? Uh, we had is he similar to Jimmy Dunn in the, with last year, where he was just there for cover, perhaps not really expected to make too much of an impact in the team. I, th- I think initially, yeah, I think he's there as another number, isn't he? I think if we had one or two um, kind of defensive injuries, we kind of lower. It's probably only Brandon Taylor and Flanagan at the moment. So I think he's kind of initially there as a number. But from what I've read, he's a bit of a leader. He was club captain. It's interesting that Bristol City are prepared to let him go, um, given his kind of age and the fact that he's been club captain. But um, I guess his injuries have got a lot to do with that. So I would like to think that if he does get in the team, He'll, he'll kind of hit the ground running and, and make a contribution early, yeah. David, your thoughts on this new boy? Yeah, all the things I've heard about him is is just like really solid and tremendously unremarkable, which is like <laughs> like Phil Parkinson. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like God loves... Uh, Sunderland at the moment just seem to massively accrue loads of players who really want to do well here but just aren't quite good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just feels like another one of them. I, I reckon... I'll be honest, he feels like one of those ones that you'll never actually see play. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty moot point. We mm-hmm. probably will never see him in a Sunderland shirt. You might get catch him warming up once or twice and go, mm. oh, he's got, oh, he's got a bit of a touch on him. Look at him. Oh, let's get him in the... T-. And then, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. no, nothing happens. So this could be another one of those, just blitz <laughs> through everyone, yeah. takes a shot and it skies it. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be one of those sort of defenders who just has a surprisingly good run going forward once or something. Matthew Kilgallen. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think what you made... Bring different to Jimmy Dunn, for instance. He, he seems to be a leader, so he might bring a kind of influence into the changing room, which I think we've kind of missed since kind of the likes of Catamore left. Um, kind of natural leaders, he seems to be that, and I think that's why he's been made club captain at uh, Bristol. So, so yeah, he, he may contribute something off the field as well, but uh, I think it's a sucker and see kind of situation. Yeah, he's got a really like rough Australian accent as well, and so oh, I reckon nice. that would even if like you're not playing as as long as like, the opposition can like hear that from somewhere, mm-hmm. that's all right. Something. Of course, he is only on loan till the end of the season because who needs to buy players at this club? <laughs> okay, so we'll get straight into the game. Friday night's game, nil-nil draw against Doncaster Rovers. We asked Twitter the pros and cons of the game. So the pros are third consecutive clean sheet, clear identity of how we want to play, managed to dig in and withstand Doncaster in the first half, plenty of effort, got a point when we didn't play well. Do we have any 
agreements or disagreements on those statements? I, I might, I, I, to be honest with you, I think didn't play well might be a bit harsh. I think in the first half, that it was quite evident to me anyway that Doncaster had done their homework and our weaknesses because they set up a bit like MK Don did in the first half, but just with a better team. And because they had a better team, they obviously were more dominant than our opponents last week were. A, a slight concern of mine now is that teams have found that if we are beaten at our own pressing game and our midfield is overran by stronger midfielders of the opposition, then they can sort of dictate the play from that part of the pitch. I think that was quite clear in the first half where we just couldn't get those sort of strings of attacks together that we saw against Wickham and Lincoln. And we just generally looked like we were being a bit like flustered. I think a lot of our passes were quite frustratingly cut short in possession. We were found wanting. I think power struggled quite a bit in the first half. In the second though... We seem to come into a lot more, again, like MK Dons. I think we got more of a foothold on the game. We like adapted our play a bit. I think Doncaster got a bit fatigued. I think as teams do with playing like a very sort of like aggressive, insistent pressing game, the, the more they did that, I think as the second half wore on, the worse they got at it because they were just getting tired and fatigued. So that's generally when we saw, I think, around the 60, 70 minute mark, when we, when, when, that's when we saw like a better spell of possession. And I think, I think Parkinson did well to sort of organise his team to withstand that pressure. But I think the objective now has to be overcoming that because that's going to be a fault in the next weeks if more and more teams set up the same way and we don't find an immediate plan B rather than a second half plan B. Yeah, that, that, that could cost us more wins. So Yes. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, I think sometimes, obviously we're on this good unbeaten run, but sometimes I think you've just got to give other teams some credit. And I think um, the kind of... The spine of Doncaster was really good. The two centre halves. I mean, Mike was was quiet compared to what he has been in the last two or three weeks. Um, and the two midfielders were really good at kind of Harry and our two in, in midfield. So I think the first point is just to give Doncaster some credit. I've got a friend who came up from Doncaster, and he, he he's kind of bemoaning the fact that he haven't replaced John Mark was yet. And I think they are kind of one good kind of good centre forward away from a, a really good team to be pushing for the playoffs at least. So so I think yeah. Give give the opposition credit sometimes. Um, I think on another day, um, I, th- I think the key thing um, for teams, particularly come to the stadium light, is trying to get an early goal because the kind of opposition had therefore got to change the way they play early on. Um, and I think that's been the key to these kind of heavy victories, scoring an early goal and then kind of we're just on our way. Whereas if we struggle to break teams down, and I think that's where change off the bench, uh, Parkinson changing stuff after 75, I think it's a bit too late. Whereas if we had a bit of pace, something different after an hour, then then we could maybe change it as well. Yeah, that seems to be a, um, a common theme with Sullen managers, where they make substitutions too late in the game. Yeah, it's not just um, Parkinson. It seems like every manager's done that already. Yeah, <clears throat> occasionally Jack Ross would make a one in the maybe early in the second half, and we'd be like, "What's going on? What's yeah. he doing this for?" And if you if you're you right, <laughs> if you go into a game thinking a draw will be a good result, maybe away from home against Portsmouth <clears> next <throat> week, then I get it. Keep as solid and compact as possible, but. At home, uh, I think we should be looking to win every single home game, regardless of the opposition. So, kind of make changes to kind of make things happen early. So, it, it maybe kind of indicates the lack of depth that Parkinson thinks he has as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. What do you think, David? Any um, positives that you want to take from the game? Yeah. Well, uh, I, yeah. Firstly, Doncaster, I thought were excellent. I thought Ennis was great. I thought uh, Gomez had a really good game. Um, and I think what they did was they worked us out because essentially we. I mean, you know, we don't play through the centre of midfield anymore. Well, like George Dobson, his touch makes Duncan Watmore look deft. So um, we basically, we play... I, th- I think Parkinson's worked out that he's basically got three good players in in um, Maguire, Gooch and uh, Denver Hume. And then uh, um, 09 does a job as well. So you essentially play directly through the two channels on either side <coughs> and try to make things happen that way. But... Gooch was wasteful. Uh, Maguire, pretty much every delivery was poor. Um, so I think that that was the major downfalls that we just couldn't activate the talent. But uh, the big fear for me is if they can overload us in the way that they did in centre midfield and especially in the wing back areas, um, uh, if other better teams will be able to do that and they'll be able to exploit it. If we've mm-hmm. been worked out, you know, the whole thing about Alf Ramsey never using the four three three until like the dying days of the World Cup because he didn't want anyone to work out what he was doing. Like it's the same it's the same thing. If the tactics of the of Phil Parkinson have been worked out this early, I think maybe this unbeaten run may come to an end a little bit prematurely. Um Yeah, we're just worried about that happening. Um it's like we've had a good run in January and it's just 
wondering, okay, so when's it going to go back to the way it usually is? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, waiting for that run where we just don't score goals at all uh, away yeah. from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the life of a Sunderland fan. We're just expecting the worst at any moment, really. But I think it's in. It's not without cause. And I, I think while it's very characteristic of Sunderland fans, like David says, to to uh, sort of anticipate well something going wrong, I, I, I think any football fan in, in this situation really would and that's not to take away too much from what Parkinson's done you know sort of like the the neo 2020 Parkinson era has been you know a very successful one by and large but my fear is that in league one you can get you know like opposing centre midfielders who are who have pace and power who are you know strong and quick and not necessarily good but the strong and quick you know they have the physical sort of baseline primitive attributes I remember when we played Coventry last season at home that was when we really saw just how sort of detrimental that can be if you aren't adequately prepared for it. I think when their wingers and their sort of midfielders just cut through us like a hot knife through butter, you know, we're conceded five goals through more or less exactly the same means. We were mm. quite fortunate to get four. I think five nil would have maybe have been a fair scoreline that day. That's not to say that's going to happen again. You know, um, there's there's no wood I can touch here, but you know that that's not to say that it's going to happen again. But all right, here we are. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Make this nice and audible. Yeah, that's not to say that's going to happen again, but you know we have we have to be wary of that risk. And if if Dobson and Power aren't going to be as formidable against some opponents, and perhaps they're going to get you know if they get harried early doors, if they if they you know get dispossessed more easily than they should be, and the other team can sort of like play through the middle of the park once they're taken out of the equation, then we have to think you know do we have players or do we have a, a system waiting on the back burner that we can we can use to make sure that we don't have to wait till the second half or wait till the team gets tired before we can come back into it. Can we just sort of fix it straight away? Because that's what teams that get promoted do. Well, that's one of the things that um, mentions on the cons here on the Twitter that we have about the game. Nice way to uh, move into that area. A lot of individual mistakes, poor passing, lack of pace and strength, very one-dimensional, and no plan B, as uh, Alex referred to there. Uh, David, what do you think? Uh, do we look like a team that might have a backup plan? No, not at all. And I don't think Parkinson's capable of it. I think he was brought in to play very pragmatic, ugly football. And he's doing that, and it's actually working. But how long it'll work for, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, I thought Lafty was, when he came on, looked really impressive. He seems like he links up play really well. So there is an outlet there. Um, fundamentally, we just don't have the strikers. Like we just don't have the strikers to that. If you are, if we need to rely on someone in a bit of a pinch, we, they're not there. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have anyone who is consistently good in this uh, in this division. Yeah, Neil, what do you think of um, the idea of no Plan B? Would you agree? Uh, with? Th- I'm sure we'll talk about Tramia, uh, the Tramia game um, a little bit later on. But um, it'll be interesting to see what their pitch is like later on today because. I think the two channels from box to box is essentially just sand. Um, so There's a lot it, of talk about this pitch being poor. I've heard this quite a lot. Yeah, it, it looks awful. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Man United set up. I mean, obviously, they've got a much better team than what we have. But um, it may be kind of that we go a bit more direct against Tramay and try and take the pitch out of it because I think it'll definitely be a leveller in terms of if we try and play uh, down the wings and um, but yeah that'll that'll test whether Parkinson has got a bit of imagination and maybe to put the lefty up front with someone else um, just to kind of make it a bit more direct but yeah I th- that, again it comes back to the squad um, we've got kind of plenty of good pros in the squad but we haven't got anything different to the 11 that kind of take the, the, the kind of unchanged 11 that we've had for the last three or four games uh, what more pre-injury would have given us something a bit different but He's just really struggling for form because he's not he's not getting a run of games. So, well, one of the questions we'll get onto the Twitter questions in a minute. One of them actually from David Clark did ask about would he start Lafferty going forward? I feel like he's shown more in twenty minutes than Wyke has in months. So the question I'm going to put to all of you is if there was any changes you'd make to the team for the game against Tranmere and or Portsmouth, and uh, what are we going for? Yeah, definitely, I would change that absolutely. I think. I think I like Charlie Wyke, but I don't think Charlie Wyke's very good um, for what we want to achieve. You know, mm. I, he's one of those players. I think in a similar vein to like maybe Nyron or even like Virginie, where he does something and it's not it's not terrible and it's quite good and it's not amazing, but it's all right. And we always want to cheer him. You know, it's mm. one of those where like I think I think the standard for what we generally sort of cheer Charlie Wyke on is a bit lower than everybody else. And I think that's because we sort of 
want them to succeed. Mm-hmm. But I, I look at him and I, I just think we could have a much better striker playing in that position. And I think if we did, I think that the benefit would be quite immediate and quite profound. And I think that's what you would get with Carl Lafferty. When he did come on, I think what we immediately had was such so much more of a presence. Uh, that number five who um, played for Doncaster on Friday, I think while he had a very good game, you know, White made it very easy for him. Like he just totally bullied him in the first half and most mm-hmm. of the second when he was on. Like every time White would get the ball, all he had to do was nudge him and he'd got the ball back off him again. So I think, I think he. I think having a man mark Wyke was quite an easy job, but then when Lafferty came on, it looked an awful lot harder suddenly. Like Wyke, not Wyke, uh, Lafferty seemed to have much more of a presence. He could bring the ball down straight away. Like half the time, it looked like there wasn't someone marking him when there was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's certainly someone that you need. It, it, I, I would I would start him just so that from from the off, we have more of a presence and more of a physicality about us. Because if we're if we have our target man getting pushed over straight away from the off, I don't know Tranmere's defence, but if they've got someone capable of, you know, of shoulder barge and Charlie White away from the ball like they did against Doncaster, which you don't need skill for, you just need, you know, a strong shoulder, then I think it might set a statement for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas if Lafferty can can maybe <clears throat> jostle his way past his defender and either create a goal or score one early doors, then it'll be a very different game. So is that the... Only real change you'd make? Would you just change right? Yeah, I wouldn't change anything else. To be honest with you, I, I, I would, I would see how we get on against a much weaker side with a far better striker. In my opinion, I, mm. I think, I think, given how that team's played against, um, you know, more inferior opponents like Wickham and Lincoln, I, I'd, I'd like to see if they can sort of maybe just re- revive that sort of performance against Tramway, just just for confidence's mm. sake. Neil, what do you think of uh, changing the squad? Any sort of changes that you'd want to make? I, I, I don't think in, in that kind of set eleven that we have. I think only Lafferty for White is the only kind of realistic one that would would improve us. I think I think a big thing about Lafferty seems to be a lot more mobile. So whereas White was kind of constantly marked and kind of uh, kind of bullied really off the ball, um, I think Lafferty has the ability to kind of create space for himself and and get the ball into feast. I think he's. For all he's taught, even bigger than what White is, I think he's much better with his feet and a lot more mobile. So I think that maybe, um, I mean, I've had a little look at Tramay's defence in terms of kind of stats and so on, and generally they're just not very good, um, either individually or as a, as a kind of back four. So I think the more pressure we put on them and the more we mix it up, a bit more direct play, but also try and get into Lafferty's feet and and try and use the channels then then yeah but I, I think otherwise you can't you can't change the wing backs which are kind of a big, big part of our uh, attacking play at the moment um you'd maybe want to rest one of the midfielders but who would come in um that would improve it no one really so um and i think this, the the defense three clean sheets you don't really change that so mm-hmm. yeah. uh david any changes that you would make anything that no would, i no? I'd, Every every week I turn up and want it to work out for Charlie White. Like I just I just really want him to do well. He seems like such a nice lad. It sounds like another Altador, doesn't it? Yeah, like we want him to do well, but we just know he's not good. He works really hard, and mm-hmm. oh, he he just seems like a good character to have around. And I re- and and you look at videos of him playing for previous teams, and he's yeah. a different player. I was going to say uh, Bradford. He scored sixteen, seventeen goals it's a season, mad. and he's yeah. in a much better team now. Mm-hmm. And the same manager as well. Yeah, and it'll be amazing if he gets into double figures. And I just uh, it'd be interesting to see from his perspective what Bradford did different for him. Yeah. Was that League One Bradford? You're talking about the World League yes. Two Bradford, League right? Okay, because yeah. I was going to say yeah. he did have a good season in League One, but he's played a lot of football in League Two. So I don't know if that's something. We're talking about Kyle Lafferty there. He's one of those players who, I mean, I don't know if you want to say the SPL teams are at the same level as League One or above. I don't really know. I mean. Maybe he's used to playing at a high level. He did play for Norwich, who were in the Championship and the Premier League. Didn't really do a lot there, but I guess he's just ex- more experienced at a higher level. This is probably quite a, a shrewd signing for a team in League One. Hmm. Can can he play for an hour? Can he play for a whole game? Has he got the legs to do that? Owl Z, 33, something like that? Well, potentially. I, I think <laughs> I, I would be a bit disappointed if we'd signed a player knowing that he probably couldn't do that, given that we are a bit light on the feet in that department. Mm-hmm. You know... Again, as David and I have both said, for all of you know, Wyke's sort of all, all of the rapport he has with the fans and all the, all that we want him to do well, he isn't he isn't very good. I think that's quite conclusive at this point. And mm-hmm. you know, Will Grigg, um, we're not particularly fussed if he does well or not because we don't really like him that much, comparably. <laughs> no, but he doesn't seem a particularly happy person. No, and he's also um, evidently for us at least not very good. 
So yeah. gorgeous blue eyes, though, eh? Yeah, oh, 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 absolutely Dreamy. lovely. Yeah, oh, they like, lose myself in it. Yeah, yeah, that's like, the Sunderland way, isn't it? Though, like two, two gleaming sapphires every time he's on the pitch. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, that's the Sunderland way, though. You know, players' careers come to die here. Like yeah. Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's you know he's, he's not that old. He could he could go to somewhere else, and you know I'm sure he would go to another League One club and bang them in, and no, that, he would, that, yeah. that would work yeah. against yeah. us, obviously. But no, um, I think I look at that and. You know, obviously McNulty, he seems to be playing every ten minutes. Well, he's in like ten minute increments rather. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I've got a lot of questions over his fitness. So that seems like that seems like quite a pointless use of a loan slot at the moment. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if we're signing a, a striker, knowing that his fitness is a doubt, when we've got strikers who either already have doubtful fitness or just aren't very good, that is quite disappointing. A- again, I don't, you know, that that's conjecture. That that might not be true, but. One thing I do want to ask, uh, I do apologise, Johnny, old habits die hard being That's the usual right. host, but um, one thing that I'm, well, I was listening to, to you say there, Neil, with um, would you change the team? No. Like, oh, is that no because the team's really good and it's infallible or is that no because there aren't other options and that as well as a concern? You said there, I wouldn't change the midfield and I know they could be tired, but yeah, there there aren't other options. I mean, I mean that, that's true. You know, it, the issue I think at the moment is getting overrun by pace and power and I don't think any of us can see Ledbetter uh, you know like amending that problem it's yeah and I, and I think that's the problem with the way that kind of there's no reserve team anymore as such because mm-hmm. it used to be that players that weren't in the team had kind of game time to kind of prove that they should be in the team mm-hmm. and I think obviously Ledbetter hasn't played for five six seven weeks now and it's sort of come back in at his age and kind of have an impact I, th- I think probably his power or Dobson or even both probably do need a rest because of the way that we play now, the up and down. And um, But again, there's, there's not really the options on there. I think one final point on, on Lafty as well, with games coming up against Portsmouth, Ipswich and Coventry, um, let's face it, he's a, he's a kind of, he's a bit of a knob, isn't he? And I, I think he's the kind of player that if, he, if he's in your team, you love him and he reacts to that. So in those big, big games coming up, that, that February is going to almost define our season. So if we can get him up to speed and get him actually in the for those big games, having we've seen him in the past for Rangers, Hearts, actually impacting big games. And I think that just kind of fuels his kind of ego and kind of what he's about. So yeah, so I would try and get him in ahead of kind of Portsmouth next week and see how he goes in those three or four big games coming up. Are we settled on Parkinson at the moment then? We obviously were very, very vocal on wanting him out as little as a month ago. I mean, I don't want to say that we should keep him for years to come, but I mean, Mm -hmm. are we happy just to have him for a few more months at least, considering this run Mm -hmm. that he's on at the moment? I think any any club in the world, within two out of 14, when you want to get promoters, any set of fans would have reacted the same. Absolutely. But but kudos to him in terms of how he's turned it around. It may have been just the fact that the players were a bit slow to kind of catch on to what what he was trying to get across. I think the Parkinson's major problem at a club like Sunderland is you want someone to come in and just kind of like, the reason I like Chris Coleman, the reason why I listen to Chris Coleman is that he said all the right stuff. He just didn't get the results. Whereas if we had, Parkinson came in, it was just kind of, it was kind of um, Jack Ross kind of having just woke up. It was all very dour and kind of, kind of we, we needed a personality and I think that went against him as well as the results. Mm-hmm. Whereas we all know if a team gets results, doesn't matter who the manager is, really. Oh, you can um, be as miserable as you want if you're yeah, winning games. Like, exactly, couldn't yeah. care less. So I think it was just the the, the results and his kind of demeanour just wasn't fitting in with the kind of narrative at the time. Whereas now, if we're winning games, I don't care. I'll, I'll never listen to his press conference like I did with Chris Coleman, but Chris Coleman didn't get results and Parkinson is now. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'll move on to some questions now. Do we honestly think, this is from Keith, do we honestly think we will spend any money in this window? If not, do you think Stuart Donald will try to blame the fans' revolt for not being able to bring anyone in? I think he will blame us. So I'll first of all, I'll comment on, I do hope the reason why we didn't get Liam Boyce is because Parkinson wasn't interested in him, because if he was, and we couldn't even pay £150,000 for him, mm. then that's really alarming of how much money this club actually has available. Um, I'm hoping that it's only because Parkinson thought he wouldn't be suited to this team because we need a goal scorer and he scored 15 goals I think this season mm. so I don't really see what the problem is besides not having enough money to pay nearly £200,000 for a player mm-hmm. I think that's very alarming to be honest um, I, I look at it and I think yeah that 
He's obviously he's moved to Harch for for 150k, and while that doesn't explicitly say that Sunderland couldn't afford that, it you know if you you don't have to read too closely between the lines to work out that obviously mm. we were in contention, then suddenly we weren't in contention contention, and then Hearts were with that fee to lure him away from Burton. If if we can't afford that much money, given that you know there there is we have been told by the the ownership that there there is money in the club. We you know we've seen as much. We've seen a ten million loan go in for what I presume to be the purposes of funding the club and its ventures and endeavours. If we're seeing the square root of nothing in this window, I, I just want to know why. I, I want to know where the money is. I, I want to know how much of what's been said overall is the truth because it's very reminiscent of the the kind of things we saw like at the end of the short era with Bain, where you know you'd be told one thing. And then the exact opposite was in fact true when when all the dust settled. It's 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 almost a little bit like the plot of Animal Farm where everything starts out lovely with like the the, the new revolution and then we sort of get back into the old habits again with the old regime before that before the old regime was was kicked out. I mean I don't know again that's a very a very poetic metaphor, but <laughs> like that that that's just kind of how it feels. And ultimately, you know I, I can't I can't say for certain. You know it it could be very it could very well be the case that deals are being done as we speak right now that do involve monies being moved back and forth. From our club, and if so, then you know th- there aren't many days left in the window, and we have a, a free agent and a loan signing. And as I think we've sort of gathered from this conversation, it's fairly clear going into the next very important games against the likes of Portsmouth and Ipswich that we do need cover in mm-hmm. many areas of the pitch. And if we don't have that, then I just wonder what will happen if, say, Hume and Gooch both get injured. Let's say hypothetically they both got injured in the same game. That, that's an entire flank we've got with in my opinion, no adequate cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, David? Do you think we'll spend any more money? You've got a week left, and are we expecting any oh, new faces? D- yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, um, well, we're after Ollie Norwood, aren't we? Uh, I think we definitely do need cover for centre midfield because mm. it's quite clear that Ledbetter's legs have gone. I think we were sold a pup, really, to be honest, by um, Middlesbrough. So, But I, you've you've seen this before. You've seen um, owners who are trying to shift a club. They never put their hand in their pocket. These during these windows the the problem that we have is that we have uh, a system that works for those 11 players and no one else to come in mm-hmm. and as soon as as you say as soon as you get one injury we're we're really stuffed you know it's going to be yeah. it's going to be tough i think if you think about it who out of this team would you want to keep in the league above let's say we did get promoted i think the only one for me would be willis at the moment I think everyone else would have to go. So I think you're right in saying it, was, it would be, a, even in the best case scenario, we're going to have a tough year next year. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad, guys. I'm, I'm quite sad a lot of the time now. Is that coming across? Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's worrying. I know that we're doing all right at the moment, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is looking still very, very difficult if we were to go up. The, 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 I, the, I've got an analogy prepared for this kind of, are we going to spend, I'm trying to sell a house at the moment and I'm certainly not going to put a 20 grand extension on it while I try to sell yeah. it. Um, the same goes for Donald, regardless of what's what's been said. I can't see him spending any money because essentially it's his his money, reading between the lines. And I, d- and I don't know how much it's got to do with the kind of, I forget what it's called at this level, but financial fair player in terms of what percentage of our wages is taking up the revenue at the moment. So it may be that we need to shift a few before we can commit to any kind of signings of any kind. Um, that's what it seems like. The one thing about Boyce I would I would kind of act um, add to it is he's got a heart. So why isn't kind of the likes of Portsmouth or anyone else kind of, why didn't they just take a gamble for 150? Well, it's not a gamble, is it? has 150 grand. So The only thing is maybe Burton were reluctant to sell to anyone who's in the same league as they are. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Because they don't want mm-hmm. any other team. I mean, they've weakened their promotion chances now unless they bring somebody else in. Yeah. But it means at least that the other teams don't have that advantage of yeah. going up ahead of them yeah. because of Liam Boyce. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's conjecture, isn't it? You know, we don't know the inner workings of Liam Boyce's mind. We don't know why he decided against Sunderland. He likes scoring against Sunderland, doesn't he, that much? Well, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I suppose we don't know if the move really to Hearts was orchestrated by him or by a lack of finances on Sunderland's or even other League One clubs. Maybe, as I said, Burton didn't want to sell to. Uh, you know, what I, I dare say a fellow promotion rival because they're not too far off the playoffs. Really, they're 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 an outside bet. I think you, you look at that, and 
a lot of that would make sense, but I think a lot of fans' perceptions at the moment will be coloured by the, the the number of sort of untruths that feel like they've been told by the ownership. So ultimately, it may have nothing to do with that. We may have had the money ready, but he, but Burton may have gone. Actually, no, would rather he went to the SPL. Uh, I don't, it, it, yeah. it's, it's it's up in the air, and I don't think we'll get a definite answer. Yes, um, and with the way the transfer window is going at the moment. Yeah, I don't see anybody else coming in. We've uh, we've strengthened kind of in defence and uh, up front. So we probably expect a free midfielder to come in who we've not heard of or hasn't played for about two years. I think, I think there's the mention of Garner from uh, Man United who I think can kind of sit back deeper as well as kind of play that forward role. But I think it's a, um, another example of how the club has neglected kind of their kind of networks around recruitment um, in that we are a massive club in League One, so we should be kind of prime for kind of the likes of Man United, Man City, the, the, the kind of top six, top eight, to say, actually, that's a really good club. We should be selling our youngsters there. They'll get a chance to shine in front of big clou- uh, crowds and so on. Um, and there's just nothing there. Um, there's literally nothing. And if you look at some championship clubs, they've got real good partnerships with with kind of the top elite clubs in terms of um, getting leads, for instance. Um, I know they're at a different level to us at the moment, but we should really be kind of working to say, right, who's the two young players that will bring in this season and then next season and then next season and, and kind of create those kind of networks. So so kind of other clubs trust us to develop their players. I guess clubs will look at Clark Salter and Jimmy Dunn and whoever else and say, well, actually, they were just huge failures. So... Why would we send a player there? But I think that's a, a wider kind of issue at the club that that we we have no forward plan in terms of yes we're going to have to loan players for the net for for the foreseeable, but we need to kind of create those relationships to get the best loan players and actually benefit from them really. So yeah. so at this moment in time, yeah, we still have Ed McGeady and Will Grigg on our books. Chris Barker asks, should the club have still looked? to involve McGeady and Grigg to make them a more desirable target for any new team. They've both been excluded altogether. They'll be nowhere near match fit. Could they at least have had minutes in the under-23s? So should uh, Phil Parkinson uh, swallow his pride and bring in McGeady to the team while he's still here? Well, I'm sure he would have possibly helped the under-23s actually get some wins on the Yeah, they're having a miserable on the roster. Yeah, well, they've had a miserable few seasons, really. Um, but... I, I suppose, and I don't know exactly how many senior players you're allowed in the under twenty threes fold per game, and you know I don't know what the the characters of Will Grigg and Ed McGeady are like. I don't know if they would, if that would be something that they themselves would be mutinous towards, or if they would sort of fall in line and just go ahead with it. If I'm perfectly honest, uh, Ed McGeady strikes me as someone who would see himself as you know the best player in League One categorically, and maybe the thought of having to play in the Sunderland kids team. Would be something that would, you know, put a really bitter taste in his mouth. I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know if he would swallow his pride and do that. Or, mm. but I, I feel like doing that wouldn't be a way of making them more desirable to other clubs. I, I don't think there's any benefit of that. If anything, it would probably put me off. If if you told me that, right, um, we've got this winger here, lads. He's he's really really good. Also, has he played much? No, no, no. He's been in the reserves team with the under twenty threes. Oh, why? Oh, because uh, we didn't want to play him in the first team. You know that that does that wouldn't that wouldn't sell him to me. That would say right. Well, there's a real sort of question mark over him. Then if he's if you're meant if he's meant to be one of your best players, you're saying he's very good, but he's nowhere near your first team, and you and, and he's actively training with you with your youth team and playing with them. Then no, that 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 wouldn't strike me as as good. I mean, yeah, sure he's staying match fit, but you know he's still training. I don't think there's a massive difference there in how much more marketable he becomes just because he's playing with the kids team. Um, what about Will Greg, David? I mean, should we give him a chance? I know that a lot of people want to see uh, him get a chance because eventually he might come good. But I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't play for us again. Just get rid of him because it's not going to work here. And I think we need to stop trying to persist with someone who could come good. But like, it's not likely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got very little. To, I mean, I back the manager on this. You know, let the manager pick the team, and also like. It's clearly there's some kind of destructive influence there. We don't need to sell Will Grigg to anyone. You don't need to sell Aidan McGeady to anyone. People know who they are. 
the records are really clear. They're, they're not unknowns. They are two of the best players in this league by record. So you don't need to show them off and the, put them in the shop window. Everyone knows that they're out of favour. You know, it, it's the, the thing is about um, McGeady is that he's like the girl that all of your friends warned you about. Like some other manager will take a chance on him, despite how disruptive he is, and he'll go and spoil that dressing room as well. Because all managers essentially are sort of quite big-headed and think, "No, I'll I'll change him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll settle him down, and he'll be brilliant for me." I think it's the same with Will Grigg. There's clearly something going on behind the scenes. He hasn't settled at all, and mm-hmm. it's. It, it just it maddens me that we've spent this amount of wages, that you know, this amount of transfer fees on these players. But it was so detrimental to the group to bring in disruptive influences now. You know, I, I, I genuinely think that out on the pitch on, on Friday, they were all genuinely actually fighting for each other. And that's one of the reasons that we've had this run, is that you've got a committed, solid, small squad here. Um, I just wouldn't bring either of them in. And you don't need to. You absolutely don't need to. I, th- I think at this level as well, as soon as you say McGeady's not going to be featured, there'll be a string of clubs that'll that'll take them, but they'll work till the very last minute and offer peanuts in terms of whether they're going to... I mean, let's face it... Any, Anyone that comes in and says, right, we'll pay 25% of his wages, it's better than paying him 100% of his wages if he's not involved. So so, so he will go and Greg may go, um, probably his will. Um, but again, we'll kind of, we'll save a little bit, but not, not we'll have no one wanting to say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll pay a fee for any of them. Or, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and that's maybe where the club's dropped a bollock a bit in terms of kind of how, how kind of, yes, it was good to be transparent about McGeady, but at the same time, Again, clubs around the country are thinking, yeah, yeah, we'll take them, but we'll wait until the 31st of Jan and, and mm-hmm. get them at cut price mm-hmm. and, and go from there. And again, it's a detriment of kind of where the club is at, that, that other clubs can do that to us. Yeah, um, I mean, look, we had a whole Netflix documentary about how sort of like turgid and how disastrous our financial state has been over the past X number of years. I think any club you know, looking to garner a bargain out of Sunderland would do exactly that. You know, I think we're a very a very um, uh, easily targeted club for that. It's like, right, okay, well, yeah, we would quite like Aidan McGeady, but rather than actually paying something substantive for him, why don't we just wait until you're desperate? Because you will cave in and you will, you know, take peanuts from us to get him off your books. And I think we absolutely would. And it's it's not a huge concern of mine, Um, I think, in, in the grand scheme of it. I, I think... Ultimately, as you say, Neil, we're, we're just better off without at this point. Yeah. Should we read anything into Tom Flanagan not being included in the squad on Friday? This is from Mark Wood. Parkinson said he went with Bailey right as he can cover three positions. But surely you'd think Flanagan would get the nod above Conor McLaughlin. So should we read anything into Tom Flanagan not being included? I'm going to be honest, I didn't realise he wasn't on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's all you need to know, really. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if Parkinson's come out and said that, then you, you've got to kind of respect that. Um, he's, he's signed Bailey Wright for a reason. Um, I know Parkinson, um, sorry, Flanagan was struggling with a shoulder injury and uh, I think the referee st- stamped on his head at the same time. So whether he's that, that, kind of... That did happen, yeah. Yeah, so whether he's still kind of suffering from that injury a little bit and Parkinson didn't want to risk that, but yeah, the again, Flanagan's out of contract, isn't he? I don't think he's going to be here, whether it's League One or Championship next season. No. So, um I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think... I think he would. I, I can't imagine he's on big money, Flanagan. I, I think they'd probably keep him around rather than not because of like he can cover. He's not spectacular and he's he's had some dodgy games, but I think on the whole, under Parkinson, he has been quite good. You know, yeah. when, when I've when I've seen him, I've I've been quite impressed, and I think he's a solid option to have. You know, as a utility player in a squad that is quite devoid of options, I, I think it would be quite daft to get rid. Yeah. yeah. Well, one player who I would get rid of, uh, Johnny Young, is asking this question. But personally, we're going to move on to Duncan Watmore. Um, and this is a player who I would get rid of. Uh, he's been injury-prone his entire career, been here. He's been here nearly, well, I think it's seven years now. Mm-hmm. And people keep saying, oh, well, when Watmore comes back, you know, he'll be your breath of fresh air in the team. He'll, you know, revitalise the squad going like off going forward. And he gets injured and it keeps happening. And we've been saying the same thing. Ever since he signed for us, it's been the same old story of what will come back, you know, still got to come back. And Johnny Young's asking, is he finished? He missed his peak development years through injury, or does he just need more time? So you know my thoughts on it. So should we get rid of the opportunity that we can? 
I, I just want to say I met Duncan Watmore at the Fringe this year. He was up. Uh, he, he was. I met him in the performers bar, the loft bar at the uh, Gilded Balloon, mm-hmm. and he is the kindest, nicest gentleman. Honestly, he he was so lovely, and he spoke very, very highly of Sunderland. And he, mm-hmm. he, he, he's one of the most fundamentally decent people that I have ever had the pleasure to meet. He's such a um, credit to his family and this club. Yes. Uh, and yes, I do think we should get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, he graduated on the same day as me at Newcastle Uni, fun fact. We were somehow in the same sort of uh, graduation class. So there we go. So he's a nice lad, you know, he's a good lad and he's got, he's obviously switched on. He's got, you know, he's got a degree and everything. But it still doesn't take away the fact that he's just, no, he needs to go. He needs to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if he if he wasn't out of contract and he's the, the, I think he's out, he's out of contract this summer I think yes um, it's kind of how do you justify giving him another contract mm-hmm. uh, that's the issue whereas if no one was going to pay a fee it's kind of because he's such a, a good guy and because he's obviously a positive influence you'd you'd kind of keep him around I don't think he's finished altogether I think he'll kind of find a club and he'll he'll find a club that give him a kind of position of his own I think at the moment the way that we play and he doesn't really fit. Um, and uh, interestingly I was talking to a few kind of sports scientist friends of mine and uh, about his injuries and kind of he's always been this kind of player that runs in straight lines so he, he, he always kind of he's that direct that you don't see him jinking and turning like Gooch does for instance and talking to a few sports science friends they were saying maybe because of his injuries, he, he's, he physically can't do that kind of type of turning and that kind of... He can't turn left. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you turn really... left, you just go around in circles kind <laughs> of thing. Does injury but, um... stop him from uh, putting his head up as well, does it? Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got his deficient. Let's remember, we signed him from... He was at Man United, then he, we signed him from Altrincham. So yes. it, it wasn't that he came from direct from Man United. It, he kind of started well for us. He was kind of... His raw pace was kind of... Unique, and I think the the higher you go up the echelons of the leagues, the, the pace gets even more important. Um, so at the time, he was that credible option, particularly off the bench. Whereas now, he's slower. It's perhaps a different game to what it was. But I think he, he will go on and and get a, a decent contract somewhere and kind of prove himself to an extent. Yeah. Is he one of the higher earners at the club? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's the only one with like a. With a, with a contract signed back when we were like a Premier League team, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. So he probably is on a significantly higher wage than some of these other players. And again, for a player who mm-hmm. is a bit part role at the moment, it's worth getting rid of the highest earners uh, mm-hmm. any chance that we can because we clearly don't have a lot of money. So anything that we can get, we should uh, mm-hmm. really go for it. Uh, would you see him playing in another League One club, though? I think so, yeah. The right one. Okay. Bit, well, of, a, bit of a dilemma, though, with... With what more though is that I, th- I think I mean again I don't have the stats handy and and this may be guesswork but I've heard that his wage is eighteen nineteen twenty k a week, which is fairly obscene mm. for League One. You know I mean obviously it's not quite yeah. like Oviedo's or what have you, but that's quite that's quite a lot. If you did somehow get rid of him this January, which I think is quite remote, but let's say that you got rid of him altogether, like you sold him somewhere else, you've then got twenty k freedom on the wage bill. Would can we then, in the short time we've got, reinvest in two wingers to provide adequate cover and also be good? Could we do that, or are we better off persisting with what more? Who perhaps is overall underwhelming, but is still cover for the likes of who we have on the wing right now? You know, do we do we do we persist with what more and his big wage that doesn't really justify his performances at all, or do we hypothetically get rid and then? Uh, and then somehow bring in two wingers to replace. Like, it's far too risky, and he's developed such a reputation of being injured. I think it's too much of a risk to keep someone who, you know, he, on on his day, whenever that is, mm-hmm. he can have a decent performance, but it's not often enough, and it's just too much of a risk, I think, to keep someone who you don't guarantee is going to play. He'll probably get another injury in training, for all we know, and then he'll be back to square one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like our only player with pace, and we've just talked about for I don't know forty minutes about how lo- how we desperately need pace in this side. It's like getting rid of the one player who can do that. I'd say, it, 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 I'd say it, while he's here, use him. But I'm what I would, you know, I think don't renew his contract. Yeah, um, I think while he's here, yes, keep him going, give him play it any chance he gets. But as soon as that contract expires, don't look to renew it because we don't want to have another situation of this happening again so 
I'm yeah. going to miss him, though. I'm going to oh, miss yeah. that that thing, you know, where he gets the ball and just runs directly at the yeah. goal, regardless of what's in yeah. front of him. Yes. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for it, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm just looking at his stats here. Since 13-14 uh, season, he's played about 85 first-team pl- games. So in kind of like seven, eight years, he's playing about 10 games a season. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't a lovely lad, I, I've never met him, but you can tell he's a lovely lad. If he wasn't, you'd just mm-hmm. be like... Get rid. Yeah, the that, that's that that's Abu Dhabi that form. That. Um, but yeah, to, <laughs> yeah, to play yeah, ten is. games per season on average says it all essentially. That's um, wow. Well, yeah, that is wow. <laughs> Didn't think good. it was that bad. Yeah. Dear he's, me. He's, he's played more more games in Premier League two, i.e., kind of when we're in the Premier League and the reserves than what he has in any other competition for mm-hmm. us. Again, scoring for fun in that sort of level, and then he mm-hmm. comes and plays for the first team, and mm-hmm. he can. He does have an eye for goal sometimes. Yeah. but mm-hmm. He's still only 25. It's yeah. incredible that he's still only 25. Yeah. Has he actually ever played as striker up, uh, for Sunderland? Well, I was I mean, about to say that, to be you honest. Know, he scored, he, didn't he play for striker, like, as a striker? Like mm. In his youth, he was he... always a striker. He, like As in, when he was at United and Altringham, he was always a striker. That's always what he was. And he and hasn't that... done that in the first team for Sunderland, really. Not really. It's no. like, maybe he's not a winger. He's not, not supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be a striker and we don't play him in the position. That... Well, he never trained as one. He was always a striker. I think... Yeah. I think I mean I mean I don't know maybe you could alleviate the issue of having not not having not 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 him having to turn left if he just played up front as like a poacher you know if he just <laughs> ran onto the end of a loose ball every time you know that yeah. that uh, you'd have to turn for that you just run onto it at the same time when he has got chances is he's finishing good enough to be a the, the one yeah, time he, he really played as a striker the, the one occasion in this division where he's played as a striker this season was against Tranmere when I think Grig of all people played him through um, and then he found the far left-hand corner. It was a really good finish. It was like a really tidy finish. Oh, yeah. mm. I mean, you know, he's, he's he's not going to set the world alight, but you don't need to in League One in the grand scheme of it. You know, like it's all relative. If if you can do, if you can replicate that every other game, then that constitutes a good League One striker. I think it's too much of a risk now, though, because if he, we did try that, played him up front, and then it didn't work, it was like, well, what did you do that for? That was a stupid decision. So I think now it's it's. Do we want to take that risk? You know, we're not miles ahead mm. of other teams where we can take mm. risks like that. So I'm not sure if it's worth mm. trying it. Playing him and Lafferty up top, you know, have like a yeah. I was, I was really say weird like... Quinn Phillips dynamic going on. <laughs> something know? like that against Tramia next week, if if the pitch is as bad as what everyone's saying, to yeah. kind of, just to change it up a little bit. And the, my, my worry with Watmore is if he does go, he actually does well somewhere else. And he's Ooh. a lovely lad who also will be doing well somewhere else. That would kind of really grind my gears. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> now, now that you've said it, it's definitely going to happen. So yeah, At 25 as well. He's kind of, yeah. he, he's not 30, he's not 31. He's he's 25 year old still. So, but good luck, lad, regardless yeah. of what happens because of, but you would hate it if he went somewhere else and did yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's one of those players that wouldn't get booed though if he got came came up against uh, against us. Would cheer him, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, one last question from Daniel Horner. This is a question that I think we've answered, but we'll uh, we'll answer it again. Dan Horner, are the panel concerned that we don't seem to have a plan B for when teams stop us from playing, like in the first half against MK and the same against Doncaster? Categorically, I think we all say yes. We are concerned yeah. mm-hmm. about that yeah. very much. Very so. much so. Yes, uh, so we now have two games during the week. One of them is against Tranmere, and the other one is against a team who was a thorn in our side last season, Portsmouth. And uh, Portsmouth, however you want to pronounce it, I always say Portsmouth, I think it's incorrect. I don't like that. I think you need to stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say Bournemouth as well. Uh, yeah, so no, you can pack it in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, Portsmouth fans. There you go, I said it correctly there. Anyway, Tranmere first. So, we'll play them on Wednesday night. Let's have your predictions for this game. Tranmere are struggling, but Sunderland, surprisingly, not well, not surprisingly at all, have a very bad record down there, supposedly. Mm. So are we going to uh, win this game or not? I think the pros are that Tranmere has had a very busy schedule of late. The, the kind of extra time game against Watford that they came out on top of, um, Man United later today which won't go to extra time, but kind of I imagine they'll be right up for that and they'll kind of create the energy and, and expand the energy um, around that. So so I think, I keep saying it, but the pitch is going to be a leveller, I think. And I think my only worry about Tramite, we should go there and beat them comfortably. Um, but my only concern would be kind of how that pitch levels out the, the game really more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the fact that it's Wednesday, I know it's not ideal for our fans that are booked accommodation and so on, but it gives us that extra day to recover from Friday to Wednesday as well. So mm-hmm. we sh- if we were leggy on Friday, if that was an issue, then we certainly shouldn't be on Wednesday. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, David? Oh, yeah, we should go and smash them, really. But, yeah, um, yeah as you say, I think the pitch is going to be a, a, a massive problem. What's, um, does anyone know our XG at the moment? It's quite good. Is it? Mean, compared to last season's, it was quite good, yeah, because right. I remember... That was like a stick to beat us with last season. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sunderland, yeah, you're fourth, but look at your XG. Yeah. You know, Walsall's is better. Screw you. You know, yeah. that was that was pretty much how it went. Right, but, okay. Because, I mean, our chance creation on Friday night was pretty abysmal. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think that that's that's quite anomalous to what we've seen think? recently, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I want to say like a sort of confident 3-0, but I think it might we might just win 1-0. I think mm-hmm. we'll keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, probably a 1-0 win. Um I think we'll be what we'll probably get. We'll, I don't, we'll uh, put them away mm-hmm. and get three or four. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they are fourth bottom uh, as far as I'm aware. Yes, yeah. they're third bottom in the relegation zone. So we should, that is one team that maybe we could score more than one goal against. Yeah. I, th- I think that early goal, if we get an early goal, mm-hmm. we should see it out. The longer the game goes on, the more it may be difficult. But, uh, isn't yeah. it nice watching other teams collapse? Uh, it, that, it's, what it's, a treat that is. What, you mean, it's like, quite cathartic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's. it's yeah. Really it, fun when you've got them on the ropes. Yeah, really great. it's, it's great. It, all, it's it also kind of identifies how poor this league is as well yeah. in terms of kind of no mm-hmm. one's... It looked as though Ipswich and to an extent Wickham were just going to fly away with it. Um, and then even Rotherham, they were flying. They got beat yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I think if we win our games in hands, we've yeah. got three points behind top, which is mental considering how mm-hmm. much whinging we've done this season. But uh, Yeah. Honestly, think. it's just wide open. Like The teams towards the top are the ones that don't have games in hand and yeah. the teams like in our position around the 5th, 6th, 7th mark don't have games in hand. So like it really, it's. I think it's impossible to call. I mean, I can see Wickham really falling away because I, I just couldn't believe when we played them at home that that was the team top so of a division, cool. of, of any division that we were in yeah. with them. It was just amazing how crap they were. But no, looking at Tranmere to get back to that, I mean, look, the, the only concern I think any of us should have, uh, and and to call it a concern it's as well is is quite rich. I think it's a very trivial one, is that pitch. I mean, look, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit sandy, it's a bit torn up. We've, we've played on torn up pitches before. You know, we, we know what the consequences are when, when the pitch isn't pristine. The, the ball, you know, it might have a bit too much traction. It might be a bit harder to move across the ground, but we're aware of that. You know, we we can adapt and we can adjust to that. At the end of the day, you know, of course we can. You, you apply a bit more force on the pass. You lift it a bit heavier when you're kicking it. If you've got more quality, which we definitely do, that should just shine through regardless. I don't envision anything less than a 3-0 win, just given mm. I know how good we are. I mean, I'm not saying that Tranmere are awful. I'm just saying that Phil Parkinson's bad Sunderland team beat them 5-0. Mm. Yeah. You know, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and that that was that was during the the, the two wins from fourteen drought. That was fifty percent of all wins we got in that time. Yeah, yeah. But like that was that they were just so bad. Like I remember watching and I mean even like the second half when they were tired, I just I've never seen a team defend so poorly. Like Luke Luke I was about to say Luke Maguire. Luke O'Nine's um uh, diving header that he got in like for like the fifth goal where the, he was he was about a light year away from anyone marking him was just quite incredible. You know, you should never be allowed to have a diving header in the six-yard box, but, you know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I, it I was going to mention that when we talked about Doncaster, but the, the fitness, I think, of our team at the moment is just strikingly kind of... MK, I was down Milton Keynes as well, and you could just see in the last half an hour how kind of at it we were compared to MK Dons and Doncaster as well. So you'd like to think that the fact that Tramay has had this big game today and then an extra time game last week that we should kind of, if if it does kind of go into the second half goal, that that we kind of just smash them in the second half, essentially. Yeah. But uh, paper towel dispensers in the away end because there's that much uh, seagull feces in the get away in. end. Oh, um, get so in. anyone going, you've got that to look forward to. Take some wet wipes. Take Sorry, some. Uh, antibacterial spray, whatever. It's it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, there's nothing worse than a one 0 loss while you're getting defecated on by various different seagulls. Like Welcome to League One football. Uh, <laughs> yes. So we all going for a Sunderland win in that yeah. area. Quite yes. quite a con. I mean, maybe not the prettiest. Do you know, but a very was, confident one, I think. I was just—I just remembered coming out of the Wickham game. I saw a little boy wearing a Wickham shirt crying, and I genuinely thought to myself, "Yes." <laughs> okay, and next weekend it is Pompey away. 
Um, so we've got two games this week, and Pompey is the big one, really. Are we expecting a, a, a potentially a, a win there? or a d- a d- oh. I, th- I think getting a draw there as well as def- depriving um, Portsmouth of two more points. Would, I'd take four points out of these next yeah. two games for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with Coventry and Ipswich at home coming up. I don't think we can get be too greedy, and I think I think coming out of the the stadium on on Friday there was a bit of disgruntlement. We're not going to win every game this season. We we need to kind of think right which are the games that are acceptable to draw, um, and if we go to Portsmouth looking for a draw, I can perfectly understand that. If we win, great. Um, if we get beat, I mean it's it wouldn't be abnormal to get beat off Portsmouth. No, we're quite used to that, aren't we? But um, we won earlier in the season against them, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're on the same points as us, and they have also played the same amount of games. So uh, it is pivotal that we don't let them beat us because we need to keep them behind us. So ideally, uh, Sunderland should look to get the win against Pompey, but mm-hmm. they seem like one of those teams that pick up near the end of the season. I think they probably will be another team who's still around this area, around the playoff positions by the end of the season. So, I don't know. I don't think it'll be as easy as Wickham, for example. Oh, definitely not. I think Portsmouth are going to be one of those teams. I think they're a team, really, who, without perhaps as dramatic a decline when we sacked Ross and appointed Parkinson, are a team that in a very similar position where mm-hmm. they had a dodgy start. Like they, they really didn't get off to a good one. I think a lot of those fans wanted a Kenny Jacket out, and then he turned it around and he pulled it back. You know, very similar to Parkinson. I think almost. Is he still there? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he had like a really bad start. Like, I think did, yeah. that that two-one loss coincide to us coincided um, in w- within that really bad start and was possibly a catalyst. But um, he's another manager, much like Parkinson, who's sort of pulled it back from a position where many, maybe many of the fans were were probably sick and tired of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe winning the illustrious Checker Trade Trophy bought him some time. You know, the git. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, if if you, I, I think. They're looking at this league now thinking, right, we've got quite a good team here. We're in decent form. Nobody else has taken this league by the scruff of the neck. We need to look at Sunderland at home and think, right, if we beat these, we are in a much stronger position physically and mental, well, not physically, but literally and sort of like psychologically Mm -hmm. to go and maybe challenge for the automatics. They'll, They'll be thinking that. They've kept their squad from last season that they did very well. You know, it finished fourth, largely intact. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they got rid of the likes of Jamal Lowe, but then they brought in John Marquis from Doncaster. So you know, there's always the potential for goals in that team. I don't even know how he's got on, to be honest. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he's. I don't, I don't think he's set light, has he? Really? I don't think he's been great. No, I, th- I think their biggest miss was the the lad at the back. Was it Matt, uh, Matt Clark's? And, Matt Clark. Yeah. yeah. He went uh, uh, Brighton and now at Derby on loan. Um, yeah. Because I think they were solid. Him and Burgess mm-hmm. were kind of like a solid back too. So I think that's where we need to get in amongst them in terms mm-hmm. of test that defence. I think cause... one player we should be more aware of of Pompey actually is Ronan Curtis. He's a good player. Who's... Well, he's the one that stayed, wasn't? Well, no, he yeah, was, did he? Yeah, he he's did. got their. He's their top scorer with ten goals, one assist, and uh, Jean Marcus isn't even in the top scoring list. So well, it's not, it's not great, is it? Yeah, but... he hasn't done too well at all. And uh, also um, Ollie Hawkins, who the six foot six striker that they have. If he comes on, um, I'm, I'm worried for the corners, <laughs> to be quite honest. He well, plays centre-half sometimes as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. It's very strange. He plays centre-back at times just because he's tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. It's very weird. Um, yeah, it's, um, I, I don't know, but I think if, if we're looking at that game, I've, I've got to think they're, they're a team who I think have a very similar mentality to us at this, given, at this point in time, arguably an identical one. And given that they're the team at home, they're thinking, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if we're their next game or if they play a game midweek as well, but... Regardless of how that goes, I'm thinking, right, Sunderland, you know, this is a team that we've got, you know, uh, you know, League One beef with. They probably wish it wasn't. I mean, deep down, they probably wish that we were both in a different position, of course, given how dizzy the heights we used to be at were. But, you know, we're, we're, two, we're two fallen giants mm. scrapping out in the third division and they've got a thing right, we're the home team. We've got to use that. They have Lincoln away on Tuesday yeah, night. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lincoln aren't doing very well, so it's interesting. It's going to be a real test of mental stability of Parkinson's side because yeah. because Pompey will be well up for this, yeah. and uh, you know all of their fans come across as proper wankers. So it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's going to be re- it's going to be a real yeah. hotbed, and, and if we can 
keep it, if we can sort of keep our heads together and try and keep it tight and get something yeah. out of that game, yeah. oh man, this that is a massive yeah. boost. This is much yeah. bigger than yeah. beating off the uh, the league one side yeah. below us. Somewhere... Sorry for using the term beating off there. It's all right. It's all, it's all right. No, no, no. Hey, look, you got the point across. Somewhere yeah. though, David, if I can just paint you a little mental picture, you're somewhere yeah. in Portsmouth on the Saturday morning, there'll be two men staring at like a black abyss and then suddenly there's like a metallic click and then like a large scraping noise and then suddenly the sunlight is cast upon the eyes of those two people like light of day is thrown upon them that bloke who kicked door nine suddenly looks out of his cage and blinks stupidly at the world around him <laughs> knowing that he now has his chance again to kick Luke or nine. To kick Luke or nine, yeah. And that, that bloke as well with the funny hair. He yeah. can be there in the background. I, I yeah. can guarantee that bloke will have his, the same tracksuit on as well. <laughs> <laughs> he has a match tracksuit. I'm sure he can't He, he definitely does have like a match day tracksuit. Yeah, yeah. Like. it's his court tracksuit. Yeah, Either so. that or he has a singular tracksuit <laughs> that he wears for yeah, all occasions. Matches and court. That's what he wears. Yeah. Yeah. I made a very amateur mistake and uh, I always ask for the, we always ask for the match day predictions and I forgot to ask what you think our score will be against Tranmere and the goal scorers. So we'll go back to that quickly. Goal scorers and the score. Uh, Tramaya, uh, mm. 3-0. I'm going to go with Lafferty, Gooch and 9 Right. David? Um, I think it's going to be 1-0 uh, with Gooch scoring. Um, my little boy Duty have been very quiet. He said 3-0. Uh, Maguire first goal, um, 9 and... I'm going to say Lafferty to get his first one. Yeah. Lafferty hat-trick. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Let's just try something ridiculous. Okay, 3 nils on Lafferty hat-trick. There we go. Okay. So. Lafferty's going to be great. I tell you, I'll play him against Portsmouth. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's epic you know shit I mean? house These big games it? coming up, he, he'll, mm-hmm. he, he yeah. loves that kind yeah. of thing. He's an absolute bugger. He's, he's yeah. like, 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 we'll play Maguire for the same reason because yeah, yeah, yeah. Maguire like, heckled them to bits about yeah. their like terrible atmosphere last season. Yeah. And I think Lafferty would also relish that opportunity. So, yeah. In, interestingly as well, I, I always look into this at this stage of the season. On Tuesday, uh, kind of Fleetwood play Coventry. I think I, this, I think Rotherham play Ipswich. So Wickham play someone up there. So I, everyone's going to drop points again. So if we do get a win on on Wednesday, mm-hmm. we're going to be in a really good place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The and then, as I say, Pompey away. What is the predictions, goal scorers um, for this game? You know what? I'm gonna fancy us to win that one. I think. I think this. These. If we get six points here, that's a League One twelve pointer. These two games. Yeah. I think it's that big. Yeah. Just for the, for the same reason that Neil just said there for the aforementioned. I think you know everyone's gonna drop points, and if we're one of those teams picking them up in the top, then it's gonna skyrocket us, especially off the back of a Tranmere win, which I think is very likely. But anyway, to Portsmouth, I think. Oh, I think we'll win two one. I think we'll concede. I think I think we might concede first, but I think we'll pull it back. I think we'll concede in the first half through that sort of pressing game that we talked about earlier being the downfall of us. But I think because we have a, a very good, a very good sort of like ethos and a very good fundamental sort of like solidarity in this team, I think we'll pull it back. I think we'll win two one, and mm-hmm. I think Maguire's going to score them both. And okay. I think I think they're both going to be set pieces as well. I will go for 2-1 as well, and I think one of them will be scored by Max Power, and I just would love to see the uh, reaction of Max Power, given it the big as George Honeyman said to us last year, uh, <laughs> after scoring the winning goal. That's how I'm going to go for it. It's very, very poetic, but I think it would just oh, be so good to see that. So Max Power score the winning goal in a 2-1 win. The first goal to be scored by uh, Chris Maguire, yeah. I'd say, yeah. Um, so, David? Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be 1-1. And I think it'll be a Chris Maguire penalty. Boring. After which he'll get booked for screaming in the goalkeeper's face because because <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for. A, I, th- I think it'll benefit us that Portsmouth will kind of attack us and that'll allow us to get back to this kind of overlapping centre half play that we've got going on, um, as opposed to Doncaster doing the opposite. So um, I think I'm gonna go for a one nil win, and I'm gonna. Message Skybet and see if I can get a price on that guy having the same tracksuit on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll tweet yeah. if I do get a price, I'll tweet that during the week because um, yeah. it's it's a banger. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we've all gone for someone to get six points in the next two games, <laughs> and they all come away with zero. Uh, yeah, well, that David, in fairness, said four, <laughs> four. so four points. He'll get us one. <laughs> yeah. I'd well, be very happy with four, but let's mm, be. Honest. I'd yeah, be content with four, but I think I know not to be too sort of like not to. 
be too, you know, like anal with expectations, but I think we should be going for six because I think we need to go for six. Yeah. You know, we're still a, a team chasing promotion automatically. So given the. But we seem to be a team on the up and teams above us seem to be uh, falling away slightly. And I think we need to take advantage of that. And everyone knows that. But will we? I don't know. I think I think we will. I think we'll get two wins in the next two games. This this coming fortnight, because no one has taken the league by the scruff of the neck yet, this fortnight might decide who the chosen one's going to be, which is going to be the team that really goes for the title, which is the team that pulls away like Luton did, because this is around the time Luton did pull away. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is the time that Barnsley sort of followed them up there. This, I think, could be the time where the form team with you know strength in depth and a really good plan A to B and C may, makes itself known. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they won't win every game. You know, with sort of like flawless precision and like a deftability. But this is the, the this is the time now for the team that knows how to win games week in week out shows itself. And I think if we need to make that team us, then we have to go out there. We need to give Portsmouth a good hiding. Yeah, and uh, hopefully next week we will be back with two wonderful results. Uh, hopefully two wins of came to Sunderland. Oh, one win in a draw. That would be nice as well. But yeah. um, that's just about it for today's Roker Report podcast. Thank you for David coming in. It's all right. Can I plug my uh, show that's on this you week in Sunderland? Absolutely can, yes. Upstairs at the Isis in the Volks room, I'm doing my new uh, sort of comedy theatre uh, thing that's called Everything That's Me Is Falling Apart. It's um, £3 in advance, £5 on the door, 8 o'clock on Thursday night. And if you like Daniel Kitson and Josie Long and sort of alternative fringe theatre, I've been working on it for about a year. It's really good. So please come. I already said Dan Kitson there. I was thinking of that ex Redden strike. <laughs> yeah, I've got Ricardo Fuller coming on at the end. <laughs> oh, fool. Ishmael Miller. How many, how many more? Let's see. Cameron Jones. Uh, that'll be all no, right. No, uh, we're, we're naming bad Premier League oh, strikers. Right. Okay, Samos Sadibi. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, who else? Uh, we'll go through all the stalk strikers. They're all the worst ones. <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you for joining us as well, Neil. Thank you very much. Um, I've always wanted to say, can I plug something? So I'm going to plug something. Um, I'm just trying to sell me house. I've tweeted about it this morning. <laughs> so you can find the link there. Go for it um, after a quick sale. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alex? Yeah, I've got nothing to plug. So that's that's something, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, it's nice. It was nice to be here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. In in the brief time, I was sort of like pondering that. I was thinking of a funny joke to follow up Neil's with, but like I can't keep the irony going. So um, if anyone has got any recommendations on where I can learn to be funny um, or or anything, then that's my plug. Me Actually, too. No, sorry, that, that, that's a re- yeah. Well, maybe we can go to the same. Maybe that's for both of us then. But no. But yeah, uh, um, yes. that's not a plug, that's a request. Uh, um, maybe even a cry for help. We'll try to help you out the best we can, Alex. I'm sure. <sighs> yeah, thanks, John. In any way that we can. I've got nothing to plug either right now. Um, so, yeah, well, thank you very Well, actually, a plug, Saloon University. Thank you for letting us use your studio to uh, record the Rock Report podcast every week. And uh, this one will should be available to you very, very soon. Wherever you're listening, thank you for listening as always. Thank you for your support. And uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Spotify. Spotify, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, YouTube uh, Podcast Addict is where I listen to it. All the podcasts in the world are on there. It's a fantastic app. Um, but yes, thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.